just left the dynamic duo and lovely Venus in a shallow pool where a giant clam had just swallowed Robin. A gruesome joke on the Joker's part, but now will Venus, or maybe Batman himself, provide the clam with its next course? We'll see in short order. And I am Troy Harkin. Welcome to Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi. And this is our second part of a trilogy of episodes, looking at the 1960s Adam West and Burt Ward Batman. Our first two episodes will look at the series, and our third episode will look at the movie. This is our fifth episode of Season 4, Hold Number 47. If you have not had a chance, please check out our first episode available for most podcast providers on to Batman part two, where we continue to talk a bit about the series. Now, Troy already did a history at the beginning of part one, and we left at the end of our first episode on a bit of a cliffhanger. Did Batman and Robin survive Troy? I need to know. Citizen. All you need to know is that evil will never prevail. Justice will always win out. And of course, Batman and Robin are on the side of justice. And all that matters is that two stood against many. No, sorry, that was Conan. Sorry. Yeah. And can I add one more thing? Yes. No, 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 I thought that was one of those great theme songs that actually I think it just repeats Batman a few times and a bunch of no, 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 I, I don't know if they, they ever did it, but man, that should be a Ramon song. The Ramones would have done a great version of that. It reminds I know that, me of some of those commercials that, that Alexa likes that like Fabric Land, you know, this like did they just spend two seconds coming with Fabric Land, Fabric Land? You know, it's <laughs> like how do you do that? But the Batman theme is so iconic, isn't it? Yeah, it sh- it's sure be cars for kids ad. <laughs> Well, there's also um, the, the, you know, because Batman becomes such a big thing that the various parodies and the various things, there was a Christmas Carol, which had um, about Batman and Robin and the the Joker and the uh, Batmobile. Um, do you remember? Oh, right. The, the, the uh, yeah, the, uh, you mean, um, uh, Jingle, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin, Robin Lady the Batmobile the lost broke, a wheel. Lost a wheel, yeah. And Joker got away. Got away. Hey! Yeah. And then and it's so great that, um, gosh, it might have even been the very first. Yes, I say gosh. Sorry. We, we are an adult uh, 18 plus intended audience. But gosh, I'll say it again. Um, I think the first episode of Batman, the animated series, uh, it's called Christmas with the Joker. And, and the very first lines of that are Mark Hamill as the Joker up in a Christmas tree singing the song. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. The Batmobile lost the wheel to the Joker. God, oh, yeah, Mark Hamill was great in that role. Yeah, and supposedly he's, 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 he's not going to play it. Too. He's he's what? not. Yeah, he's he's decided that um, he and Kevin Conroy, who played Batman uh, in the animated series, uh, who who just recently passed away, so um, he's decided that without Kevin Conroy doing Batman, he won't do uh, the Joker any longer, which is really unfortunate. Uh, because I loved his voicing of the Joker. 
I'll do Mark Hamill Joker impression. Uh, Joker here, the clown prince of crime. <laughs> you got to warm up on the way to a session. So I'm driving on the freeway, going to my Joker sessions, going... <laughs> and of course, everybody in the freeway, they take no notice. It's Los Angeles. And those episodes that had um, Mark Hamill as the Joker and Harley Quinn, mm. uh, God... They are just great. And I miss her having that. What is it? Like a Brooklyn accent that she has in the series. It's so funny. But that's not the show we're here to talk about today, is it, David? We are here to talk about Batman 66, the Adam West, Burt Ward vehicle. Although I guess technically the Batmobile is the vehicle. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so last episode we talked about sort of what it was all about, what its impact was, the things that it uh, brought to the world of Batman. Um, and today we're going to be looking a little bit more specifically at certain episodes that stand out, um, at least that stood out for me and ones that I would like to touch on for our uh, listeners and that we, you and I can discuss. And what I did actually was I, I've also pulled out the, um, no, that's not a good place for a big pause, but I pulled out the uh, DVD Blu-ray uh, descriptions of each episode. So I'll, I'll lead off with that for each one. Oh, go ahead. But, I, I, I love to hear what. Um, you all righty. All righty. I think I will then. Um, well, of course, you know, you have to start with the first episode. So season one. Uh, episode one aired on January 12th, 1966. It's called High Diddle Diddle and then Smack in the Middle because that's two 30 minute episodes that are broken up with a cliffhanger. Um, so let me see if I can read this very, very tiny f- font that's white on green. It says in the series debut, the Prince of Puzzlers, Frank Gorshin is the Riddler diabolically tricks the dynamic duo in order to sue them for false arrest, have them unmasked in court, and thus reveal their true identities. Well, there you go. That's a plan. And then in the uh, smack in the middle second part of the episode, it says, with Batman incapacitated by Molly, who was uh, played by Jill St. John, by Molly and Robin kidnapped by Riddler, It's no laughing matter when the heist of priceless postage stamps is Riddler's real play for his getaway. Well, diabolical so-and-so. And And that was written by um, Lorenzo Semple Jr., who did, I believe, the first five or six episodes to set the tone for the series. Um, So my my notes on – first of all, do you sort of remember this one, David, in general? Well, I did watch it again. Oh, that's um, right. You watched the early ones. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And well, one of the things, the Riddler, one of my favorite, is it was just, it just seemed a bit of a stretch even for the Riddler. But he said, did you hear about Greta Garbo? She dreamed one night she <laughs> sprinkled six boxes of grass seed in her hair and, and woke up moaning, I want to be a lawn. <laughs> I know. And it's like, wow. He's like stretching into the Joker's territory. That's not a riddle. Or I guess it is, did you hear about? <laughs> yeah, but but Robin uh, also said, when is a donkey spelled with one letter? When it's you. <laughs> and I thought that was a real burn. Like that it was is. Sick of- burn. Boy <laughs> wonder. Yeah. Well, I thought it was... Um, well, here, here's the first thing. Um, I love that the, sh- the show, the series, begins in media rest. You know, like... If this show was on today, we would have to have an origin episode, right? Mm. Um, and I, I just love that they don't do that. The comic had been around for almost 30 years at that point, And it's assumed that viewers, you know, young and old, know who Batman is. So there's no origin story for the first episode. We just jump right in. And we're introduced to all the classic elements that we now think of when we think of the show. We've got the commissioner's hotline, the red phone. We've got the bust of Shakespeare. We've got the bat poles. We've got the Batmobile, the Dutch angles of the crooked Riddler's hangout. Uh, we have the henchman. Uh, we have the cliffhanger and we even get the Batuzi. So like for me already, it's like this has to be one of the best ap- episodes. We get the Batuzi. Um, we get that line of, um, 
I should not wish to attract attention. Yes. <laughs> which, which, which is so good. Uh, yeah. we, we get Chief O'Hara, Commissioner Gordon, Alfred, and Harriet, our first villain. Uh, we get uh, his sexy mall, Molly, played by Jill St. John, and of course, Batman and Robin. We even get, spoiler, the rare death of a baddie as Jill St. John falls into the bat nuclear reac- reactor. But there are going to be some holes in you, Batman. Foolish girl. You were so bent on your murderous scheme, you failed to notice. In the Batmobile, I burnt off your revolver's firing pin with a hidden bat laser beam. Molly? Molly, stop! You're climbing into the Batmobile's nuclear power source! I'm If only she'd have let me save her. What a terrible way to go, go. <laughs> yeah, which was kind of horrific. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, man, wow. what a way to start. Oh, and we also get uh, Batman intoxicated, right? And like when he plays that one up, uh, and he goes out and he's looking for Robin and they've, they've, they've kidnapped Robin and he's saying like, where's Robin? What have you done with Robin? It's well, like, he tries to drive and two police officers come by and say, we, you can't drive. And he says, of course you're right. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so for me, this is like, like no wonder this show became an immediate hit. There was so much happening in that first episode. So for, for me, a big thumb up thumb thumb up yeah okay or both of them thumbs up i don't know where your thumbs are at dave but mine's up for batman oh my thumbs are right up there all all the way up all the way up on the high diddle diddle and the smack in the middle the the first two episodes what a great way Uh, they already had everything already figured out they had all the sets they had all the color they had the whole show was already very much thought out and going full guns absolutely so let me let me move on to uh the second one that i want to mention from season one and that's uh the perfect crime better luck next time uh these episodes aired march 16th and march 17th 1966 um they were um episodes 19 and 20 and this is the description the felonous feline catwoman julie newmar gets her claws on twin golden cat statues from a Gotham museum, but our, our heroes fearlessly pursue their culprit right into a cat trap, facing a ferocious tiger. And the second uh, description is the, the dynamic duo is nearly devoured in a pit of tigers as they race to capture Catwoman with her real target, the Captain Manx treasure trove. Well, this was the, uh, our first Catwoman. So ground zero for Catwoman. Um, we have, yeah, there's uh, a, there's a little, uh, scene in it about safety and wearing a safety bat belt. That's right. Um, yep. That Batman says, you know, Robin, you haven't fastened your safety bat belt and Robin sort of throws back at him. We're only going a couple of blocks. And then, of course, <laughs> Batman says, it won't be long until you're old enough to get a driver's license, Robin. You'll be able to drive the Batmobile and other vehicles. Remember, motorist safety. And then Batman, and then Robin said, gosh, Batman, when you put it that way, it's one of those little <laughs> admonishments in those that's kinds right. of, you know, sort of like the father-son or that kind of dichotomy that's going on with the, or how they relate to each other. Exactly. And I've heard somebody recently say that, you know, even though uh, Bruce is uh, is the one who has taken Dick into his house, um, he's the ward. Uh, it's actually the Batman-Robin relationship that more directly mimics a father-son relationship. Um, and I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I had never really thought about that before. Uh, the other things I 
loved in this episode was Batman insisting to pay at the museum. <laughs> you know? And he's got change on him in his bat in his utility belt. Batman, Robert, this way, please. Thank you, citizens. No need for you to wait in line. You're on official business, aren't you? I'd rather not say. There's no charge for you. Go right in. No, I'd rather pay just like any other ordinary citizen. Wow. Uh, um, <laughs> this one also actually has night scenes. Um, one of the things that kind of used to bug me about the show was that, you know, this Batman is not, definitely not the Dark Knight, and, and he rarely goes out at night, or we rarely see him out at night. Um, so it was nice to actually see an exterior night scene. Um, if it's even a night scene, because yeah. that, that kind of thing, <clears throat> it's bothered me and my brother-in-law, Rob Sawyer, has mentioned that, you know, that with some of those like Planet of the Ape films where it's, where oh, day it for night. Like it's night, it's yeah. day for night and they got a filter, but then you can see clearly defined shadows uh, of people that it's clearly shot during the day with a filter. Yeah. Uh, we also get in this one the line from Batman, evil is as evil does, <laughs> which is so much better than the Forrest Gump line. Um, and of course, Batman versus the tiger. And I don't know about you, but the first time I saw Star Wars and our heroes were stuck in the trash compactor, I thought of the scene where Batman and Robin are, you know, in, in that area with the walls closing with the rubber arrows. Um and I, I kind of felt like, oh man, they're ripping off Batman. Um, well, there's, there's also, of course, when Catwoman is trying, is about to feed Robin to a tiger, and Robin says, "Catwoman, you are not a nice person." <laughs> That's right. That's right. That great line. Oh yeah, that actually is one that I had. Also, uh, Catwoman gives us the TTFN ta ta for now uh, line, and um, and then of course we have Catwoman falling into the chasm in the cave. Um, and it's like you know, that's Die, it. death by alliteration at that point. That's that's right. Um, but of course, we're reminded that you know cats have nine lives. We may see Catwoman again. Mm, mm. Let's let's wait and see. <laughs> uh, also from season one, I have episodes twenty-seven and twenty-eight: the Curse of Tut and Pharaohs in a Rut. Uh, that um, premiered or, or aired on April 13th and April 14th of 1966. And let me read you the little description here. The Curse of Tut. As ex-Yale scholar, or sorry, an ex-Yale scholar believes himself to be the great king, claiming Gotham as his kingdom by planting a sphinx in the park. Bruce Wayne plans to trap Tut, played by Victor Buono. But before you can say mummy, he's a fall guy. And in the second episode, the pharaohs in a rut. Tut now turns to ancient Theban pebble torture on a kidnapped Batman to make him a mindless slave. Robin must come to his aid and the chase is on to short circuit the tortuous, tortuous Tut. So my notes on that were it's the first King Tut in any bat-related medium. Uh, again, that's Victor Buono playing Tut. We have the great cliffhanger with Bruce Wayne on a gurney falling out of the back of an ambulance and careening on a mountainside road. And as a kid, that one really freaked me out because I thought, you know, he can't be saved from this. He's just going to die. Um did that have any impact on you, David? Or, I mean, I know you were a little bit older, so maybe you were a little more sophisticated and you knew there's no way he's not dying. Yeah, every so often you get one of these cliffhangers where you just don't, like the example of the, the clam, um, where you think this is the end or this is, he's not going to somehow make, and then after a while you start getting getting to understand that this is how, each episode sort of ends that they're always put in harm's way. And then they have to find a way uh, out of just like the, you know, there's the uh, sharks with laser beams on their forehead or the slow <laughs> right. device or whatever that they, they parody. 
Um, in Austin also, Powers, right? Yeah, in Austin Powers. But Batman in this episode also mentions how he he talked to Tut and says, you know, you should return to being a Yale uh, professor, and that he and and Batman vows that he'll get the finest medical attention because Batman always does, just doesn't give up on these people. Like Mister Freeze, he says, well, you know, in that earlier episode where he will, you know, will try to help you with with what's going on. Yeah. Uh, this one also gave us more Batuzi dancing. So any Batuzi is a reason to celebrate for me. I don't think, by the way, I've ever gone out dancing and I didn't at some point break into the Batuzi. It was mm. like about my two biggest, I have three influences for my dancing. One is Elwood Blues from the Blues Brothers. Uh, you know, his moves in the, in the film. Uh, the right. Blues Brothers, I mimic those whenever I dance, or at least when I used to. Uh, the Batuzi has to be incorporated. And uh, any combination of the dances from uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, that's that's all of my moves right there. Uh, also in this episode, we have um, both Alfred and King Tut driving the Batmobile. Again, Anytime somebody else drives the Batmobile, I'm kind of excited. I don't know why, but it just feels weird and wrong, but also like I, I, I can't not watch. Or Alfred dressed up as Batman and somehow they think, oh, that's actually Batman, which itself oh, is a bit odd. Yeah, driving those are, the Batmobile. Those are so good. Anytime Alfred is involved like at that level, especially in the in the suit, because it just yes. looks like something from a weird dream when you see this you know, older, gaunt, tall guy wearing the wearing the bat suit. It looks like and a people bat, can't tell the difference, you know. Yeah, it looks like a bad knockoff toy from a third world country. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like, well, it kinda looks like Batman, I guess. But um okay, let me move on to an episode from season two. It's His Honor the Penguin. And then the second part is called Dishonor. Dishonor the Penguin. Uh, those were episodes 17 and 18 from season two, and they aired November 2nd, 1966. Suddenly, Penguin makes himself popular in the polls by endearing the citizens with good deeds in a beaky bid for mayor. Batman must throw his cowl into the ring, but the Brash Birds campaign tactics may melt down the race. And the second part is Batman and Penguin continue their campaign debates and the feathers fly, but suddenly punks are pinching jewels at a, oh, it's pinching, (laughs) but suddenly punks are pinching jewels at a convention. Penguin pops more crooks than Batman and just might become mayor. And that, that one is a kid freaked me out. Mm -hmm. Um, where, but, um, Clearly, uh, the plot was recycled in Tim Burton's Batman Returns, which I thought was kind of cool that, you know, if you had seen this as a kid, you, you recognize that when you saw the, uh, was that Danny DeVito? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought DeVito did a really good, yeah, yeah. uh, penguin, but, but I must say, um, Burgess Meredith, I love as the penguin and, and I like him in a lot of things, but, he does that character so well. He he looks just like the character from the comics at the time. I, I mentioned in our previous episode that Lorenzo Semple and producer William Dozier instructed the actors to just uh, eat up the scenery, and and Burgess Meredith does just that. He's so great with his like his wah, 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 bird bird sounds and the way he. Uh, he pinches that uh, cigar or cigarette holder. So it's like, just like sticking up in the air. Um, mm. he, he just does look nefarious. Which nobody can deny. Quack, quack. All right, back to work. Everybody, when we're through with this campaign, even Mayor Lindsay will vote for me. <laughs> enough to vote for you, Mr. Penguin. Don't worry, little one. You'll get your chance on my fourth term. <laughs> I have a quote from the, the episode, which I found very funny, is that Penguin says to his election crew, plenty of girls and bands and slogans and lots of hoopla, but remember, no politics. 
issues confuse people, which I thought was perfect to talk to your own election crew about that. It was quite funny. Right. And meanwhile, Batman throughout the episode is, is talking about, you know, how it's about the issues and whatnot. He's always, Batman is breaking the fourth wall continually in this episode when he like turns directly to, uh, to the camera to say things like, I want to conduct a campaign that deals with the issues. I'm convinced the American electorate is too mature to be taken in by cheap vaudeville trickery. After all, if our national leaders were elected on the basis of tricky slogans, brass bands, and pretty girls, our country would be in a terrible mess. The band Paul Revere and the Raiders are the band at Penguin's Rally, which I thought was kind of cool. Then we get the cliffhanger with Batman and Robin over a sulfuric acid bath. Um, Batman, oh yeah, breaks the fourth wall, as I was just saying. Um, Oh, and the election coverage of this mayoral race is with Walter Klondike, not with Walter Cronkite. Uh, and I yep. love the way the series does that, how they twist things like New Jersey becomes New Guernsey. Um, Londinium, of course, which is always in fog. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about Londinium. Yeah. Um, and uh, Batman goes to a meeting of the grand order of Occidental Nighthawks, which are, are penguins goons. Cause that breaks down to G O O N goon. Um, and the episode mm-hmm. a- ends with Batman winning the election. He receives phone calls from both the Democrats and the Republicans of the time asking if he'd like to run for those parties in the 1968 presidential election. Um, I thought that was all very, very cool. Um, do you have anything else on that one, Dave, or should I move on to our next one? Well, I think he mentions to them uh, when he's offered that, but I thought you already had a candidate for 1968, which is... Oh, that's right. That's that's <laughs> right. That's the way they play that. Um, but it's it's so funny in that episode how often Adam West is looking directly at the camera and, and talking. <laughs> well, and sometimes... Other, yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's about it. Um, the other thing is, is that I can't remember the term for, there's a term where you actually just use something once, or it just happens to pull something out of the, you know, it's like a MacGyver something, because it just happens that, you know, Robin says something like, good thing we have these acid, these acid proof suits, but that's the only time in the, probably the entire 120 episode run, they actually had to have acid proof suits, but maybe they knew that acid was going to be used against them this one specific episode. Yeah, now that reminds me of something. Um, you know, in in sort of binging the episodes recently, I noticed quite often uh, Batman had to take a uh, an anti vaccine for for various things that the villains had, and it's like, why doesn't he just like do this every day or something? You know, rather than waiting till the time that he has to pull it out of his utility belt, where um, he just should get like a better vaccine and a booster shot. Good question. <laughs> yeah. um, I mentioned, I'm just going to not give a full description of this one, but in the cat's meow, the bat's kowtow, which was uh, season two, episode 30, uh, aired on December 14th and 15th of 1966. Catwoman steals the voices of British invasion rockers, Chad and Jeremy. And this is an episode that I like that always stuck with me. For whatever reason, <laughs> I don't know if it's because it involved music or not. But then, even the idea that she could potentially steal voices, I thought, was horrific as a very young child. We can't appear at the police ball now. Not after you steal the commissioner's voice. Everybody knows you haven't really gone straight. Why don't you steal Batman's voice while you're at it? Never. One of the few joys I have in life is when his rich, manly baritone caresses my ears with Catwoman. You're under arrest. It makes everything worthwhile. (laughs) I thought it was funny when there's one point where she has the voices in a box and somebody wants proof that she has them. And she, she opens the box and you hear them singing. But not only do you hear them singing, you hear all of the instrumentation that's on the recording. So it's like, wow, they, they couldn't isolate the vocals or something, you know, so you just had the voice, but, uh, I guess they were pretty busy at that point. This episode also had appearances by Don Ho, as you had mentioned, uh, mm. being on the show previously and Steve Allen, which I thought was kind of cool. 
Um, and we, of course, get performances by Chad and Jeremy. Um, and we get a classic alleyway scene with Batman and Catwoman. The sonic beam in this gun can slice like a hot knife through the high-priced spread. Ah, uh, but I've reached an impasse. Shall I steal your voice or end your life? Whichever you decide, I'm sure it'll be the wrong choice. You've a pretty sharp tongue for a man about to say goodbye to this world, Batman. Beg, beg for your mortal existence. I'd rather die than beg for such a small favor as my life. What are you waiting for? Can't you see how I feel about you, Batman? How I want you by my side. It won't work, Catwoman. If you're going to kill me, you might as well get it over with. I can't kill the only man that I've... Don't worry, Catwoman. You wouldn't have killed me even though you shot the gun. The anti-bat sonic device in my utility belt would have deflected the beam. <laughs> well, it was a... Good plot while it lasted, huh? Yes, Catwoman, one of your very best. Thank you. But still, the problem remains. How do we undo what you did? The stolen voices. Yes. Oh, well, you just uh, have them all spray their throats with the atomizer. Oh. Get them back to normal in seconds, huh? Amazing. Hmm. Uh, you see, my voice eraser electronically loosened the vocal cords and uh, just saw them spray it and it'll... Uh, Tighten them right back up again. Amazing. Mm. Batman, when I get out of jail, will you take me on a date? We'll have plenty of time to think about that, Catwoman. Several years, I'm afraid. If I were to kiss you, would you think I was a bad girl? But, uh, no. No, of course not, Catwoman. Kissing is one of the most natural things in the world. Uh, some people kiss almost every day, I'm told. Well? Come on, Batman, the police are here. Boy, blunder. Catwoman, may I take a rain check on that kiss? Certainly, Batman. Anytime. Okay, I'm skipping ahead to another Catwoman episode. It's That Darn Cat. Oh, sorry, That Darn Catwoman. It's a play on, the. I think it's a Disney film called That Darn Cat and Scat Darn Catwoman. Um, this is sort of like not one of the best, but I would definitely give it an honorable mention. Um, it's uh, aired January 19th, and then a week later on January 25th, 1967 it was um episode 40 and 41 uh overall and um 60s pop star leslie gore guest stars as catwoman's protege pussycat and uh she sings her hit warm california nights uh julie newmar also um I don't, I don't know why I made note of this, but it's like Julie Newmar drinks milk from a saucer. Okay. Uh, the rogues, <laughs> the rogues, uh, drug Robin with a, a drug called cataphrenic and it turns him into a criminal that does the deeds of the feline felon. Um, it's a cool episode because, um, uh, Burt Ward gets to stretch his acting abilities a little bit and we see him do sort of the alter ego, uh, the evil opposite of his Robin character. Um, and Rob- universe, I guess. And, and Robin beats up Batman because Batman refuses to punch Robin. But Robin, uh, under cataphrenic, has no problem uh, beating the tar out of, out of the Cape Crusader. Um, and then a little later on, Batman trades places with Robin, and he joins forces with Catwoman. Um, and he, he is now doing his, like, you know, this kind of gangster shtick and he's calling, uh, Catwoman baby and all this type of stuff. Uh, he's just hilarious with his crony talk. Now, do with me as you like.
good looker. You got some uh, class, baby. Who are you? I'm your boss. Yeah. Don't forget it. All right, boys, let's go. We got some money to count. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand. Ninety-eight, ninety-nine, one. Hey, that's a neat haul, cat baby. Only the beginning. Drop in the proverbial bucket. We're gonna live it up. We're gonna wail, dog. Nope. This money goes toward buying plans of the Gotham City Mint. The Mint. You don't fool around. Which way, sweetheart? Drive straight out along Short Island Sound to the old criminal's home. Oh, and I love to see Commissioner Gordon's face now. <laughs> but of course, he's faking. He's acting. Um, he's uh, he's faking capitulation. From all that experience doing summer stock a few seasons before, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and he even does this little funny, uh, like, patting himself on the back when he says what I was doing was acting. <laughs> um, we, get a, <laughs> we get a second Leslie Gore song uh, that she sings to the portrait of the boy wonder. And also in this episode, we see uh, Alfred emerge from an elevator in the back cave, which we haven't seen before. So it's like, Oh, there is another way to get down there, you know, than the bat poles, which I thought was kind of cool. Well, the elevator doesn't provide a change of clothes, though. Right. He doesn't require that, right? So why do right. it? Exactly. Right. I wonder what happens when when Alfred, dressed as Batman, returns to the Batcave. Does he do the bat pull up, you know, and change? Or does he, uh, you know, go into his gentleman's quarters and, and change? Yeah, These are all a little screen divider or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Any other thoughts on that one, Dave? Uh, always like Catwoman episodes. Well, guess what? I have another one for you. Ah. I'm, I'm jumping to season two, episode 49 and 50. Catwoman goes to college. Batman displays his knowledge. Uh, these aired February 22nd and 23rd, 1967. Um, she's released. She, uh, from, from prison, she, uh, decides she's going to go straight, goes to college. Uh, but instead, she enlists some uh, frat boys to be like her henchmen. Um, in this episode, Alfred dresses as Batman, which is one of the mm-hmm. things we were talking about loving. So it's an episode that must uh, we must take note of. Um, there's the iconic soda scene where um, the bat and the cat are sharing a romantic soda. You know, they each have like two different straws in the one drink. And they've got the romantic music going and the whole bit. And it's like, it's pure gold because it's, it's Newmar, um, playing with Adam West's mind. You can see it. You can, you can like, you can feel it, man. You can smell the pheromones when those two are doing scenes like that. Um, and again, we get a, a more nighttime. We have a rare nighttime fight scene. Uh, we have Catwoman uh, organizing a student protest in Chime Square. Um, again, another name change of mm. a, a place we know. Um, and, uh, I think we need to hear a little bit of, uh, the cliffhanger. I don't know how we do it, Batman. What do you mean? The way we get into these scrapes and get out of them, it's almost as though someone was dreaming up these situations, guiding our destiny. <laughs> Things like that only happen in the movies, Robin. This is real life. I guess you're right. One of the weird things about this episode, David, is that, uh, you know, she doesn't have her usual henchmen. That is, Catwoman does not have her usual henchmen who wear those kind of like tiger striped Mm -hmm. outfits with the, with the cat ears. She's just, she's just, uh, has Gotham City University frat boys as her, Henchmen. And that, of course, made me think of Mystery Men, where there is an entire gang called the Frat Boys. Right. And I don't know if that was the inspiration or not, but uh, it's it's there. And we have perhaps the ultimate Batman Catwoman sexual tension scene, uh, which I've called the happiness scene clip. Let's hear a little bit of that. Hello. Batman, 
You're a rare lady, Catwoman. You're right on time. I'm rare. In more ways than that. I'm glad you decided to surrender. We would have caught you eventually. Do you think so? Certainly, there's no escaping the inexorable law of justice. Shall we go? Must we? So soon? I thought that, well, you know, perhaps we might get to know each other a little better. I would think that we know each other well enough by now. Don't run away, Batman. I won't bite. I'm not afraid of you, Catwoman. I'm, I'm, uh, you're very beautiful, Catwoman. Yes, you're quite right. I am. Your propinquity could make a man forget himself. I don't know what that means, but it sure sounds nice. I refer to the nearness of you. Batman. Let's throw caution to the winds. I mean, after all, we are two adult human beings, and uh, we're both interested in the same thing. Happiness. I can give you more happiness than anyone in the world. How do you propose to do that? By being your partner in life. I mean, it's me and you against the world. Oh. What about Robin? Well, I had him killed, painlessly. Well, he is a bit of a bore with his holy this and holy that. Well, that does it, Catwoman. I thought you had a modicum of decency, but I see that I erred in my judgment. All right, Dave. My next episode that I would like to present is called A Piece of the Action, Batman Satisfaction. This episode aired March 1st and March 2nd of 1967. And this is the uh, famous green hornet episode with van williams as green hornet and uh also as Britt reed that's his alter ego or his his regular identity uh and bruce lee as cato um so green hornet was a spin-off show uh that dozier had had come up with it's a little more serious for those who don't know than batman a little bit more straight straight faced than than batman um so what makes this episode so legendary is the final fight scene between Bruce Lee and Herbert Jervis, a.k.a. Burt Ward, a.k.a. Robin. Um, supposedly, Robin had been, like, giving attitude on the set, um, saying things like, you know, I could take him. I could, <laughs> I could take Bruce Lee. Um, and uh, and I, I think Bruce Lee got got wind of this and there were points in it where there were actual blows thrown um and it depends on who you listen to it like how this story plays out um but it's still just kind of amazing to think this kid who has landed his first role in this like incredibly successful show uh is given lip to you know one of the um all-time best martial artists. Uh, it would have been great to have been on set. The idea of, of um, Burt Ward sort of challenging or thinking he could actually take uh, Bruce Lee, if he could have gone forward in time and somehow witnessed the fight between, I think, Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. Um, yeah. It was fairly famous. I think Bruce Lee uh, won that one. He'd probably see that and say, hmm, maybe I... I should reconsider. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So then we get into season three. Um, we have no more double episodes with a cliffhanger linking them. Um, and to my surprise, uh, well, this is when Eartha Kitt took over the role of Catwoman. There are only three Eartha Kitt Catwoman episodes in season three. For some reason, because I had seen, you know, uh, episodes in syndication through my life I'd seen Eartha Kid as Catwoman, I guess, multiple times. I, it never really occurred to me that she'd only done three episodes. Um, and we may have touched on this earlier, but there are other others. Um, John Aston, um, a.k.a. Gomez Adams, also played the Riddler. 
Um, there's three different actors who played Mr. Freeze. We mentioned that last episode. So let's get into season three. It opens with Enter Batgirl, Exit Penguin. Uh, that uh, was aired September 14th, 1967. And we get a new character. We get a character that there had been a Batwoman in the comic books and there had been a, um, a character called Batgirl, but she was basically, um, she was like Robin to Batwoman. Um, and she didn't get much play in the comics at all. So it's not really the same character, even though they share the same name. And, uh, the producers of the Batman series were able to talk DC into actually getting this character into continuity. And you can see her uh, on the cover when she had her debut and basically looks like cat, uh, sorry, like bat girl does, except I believe she has a purse instead of a utility belt. Um, in this episode, uh, we get the line, I think you should develop a taste for opera, Robin, as one does for olives and poetry. And that, that's from, from, uh, Batman or from actually, is he in character there? Yes, he is. Um, it, it, that cracked me up, David, as that's you know, a as, great quote with us both being poets. I mean, I would like to uh, put that on the back of a book or something. Well, our- that quote and the, and the famous one that we won't spoil right now, but we'll get into when we, do our third episode, part three, where we look at the movie, there's a very famous line that Batman says that, and this is a pretty much a rival for it, uh, how brilliant it is. Yeah, yeah. So in this episode, we meet librarian Barbara Gordon, and she's almost immediately kidnapped by uh, Penguin. Uh, we get the first new opening animation with Batgirl riding by on her Batgirl cycle. Um, we have Alfred. Uh, Pennyworth learning Barbara Gordon's dual identity secret. Um, and there's a great scene where Batgirl appears, I guess, at the beginning of a, a fight scene. Um, and everybody's like, Batgirl? Who's Batgirl? Well, this time I'm going to teach you a lesson. As long as you're holding class as Penguin, perhaps you'd include Batgirl too. Batgirl? Batgirl. 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 Bats! I'm surrounded by bats! The series establishes Batgirl's penchant for the, what some have called the Irish or French exit, but let's not call it that. Let's just call it a bat exit where she just disappears. And, and she was doing the bat exit long before Batman stole her trademark departure, um, which I was sort of surprised when I rewatched the series. It's like, oh, that's where they got it from. Batgirl used to be the one who just all of a sudden wasn't there. Um, and then we get to see the real Batgirl cycle in action. We also get to see Alfred fighting the Penguin. We like, I think he throws five unanswered punches and sort of KOs Penguin, which was kind of cool. Cause in a way that sets the scene for the idea of Alfred, uh, that we get in the last 20 years as being somebody who was like sort of a former British agent. Uh, of past exploits who, you know, has come to work for uh, the Wayne family years later. Um, what'd you think of the, the Batgirl episode? Well, certainly um, um, I think by season three, you've got that Batgirl theme, which itself, if you look at the words of the Batgirl theme, there's, there are a few issues in there. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't hold up today well well when it has things like where you might just insert the the actual text here but where do you come from where do you go what is your scene baby we just gotta know and then when they say things like are you a chick who fell in from outer space are you real with a tender <laughs> warm embrace yeah whose baby are you bat girl you know <laughs> that kind of thing wow is a bit i don't know if it'll fly today yeah, and in one of the voiceovers, uh, and, and I don't know if we've touched on this, but the, but the narration and the voiceovers were all provided by, um, series creator William Dozier. Um, yeah, one of the lines is they refer to her as the dazzling dare doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, like, that's not going to cut it now. Um, one that I consider an honorable mention, not a great episode, but it just has, uh, some really cool elements. It's called Ring Around the Riddler. 
Uh, it aired September 21st, 1967. Uh, it's, uh, hold on. I have it as season two, episode two. Is that right? It's just blowing my mind. Um, it can't be. It's gotta be up. It's gotta be season three. Are you going anyway, backwards? It is. Time? It is. I've got it. This is a typo. Um, anyway, you, you get James Brolin in it. You have a, a cameo by James Brolin as this boxer, Kid Gulliver. Uh, you have Joan Collins as um, Lorelai Circe or Siren. Um, and the classic part of this episode is you have Batman versus Riddler in a boxing match. And, and Riddler goes under the name Mushy Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> um, which cracks me up just saying Mushy Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but, David, how cool would it have been if Penguin... Burgess Meredith had fought Batman because we know he he was uh, Rocky's trainer, Mick, right in the Rocky right. films. So that to me that just would have been the coolest thing if it was Penguin. Although I mean, you can't even imagine. Well, sure, I can imagine it. it would be it would be Penguin in his Penguin outfit, just with boxing trunks on. But um, like I guess with a Star Trek reference, you can say it's a no Penguin scenario. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Then after I've gotten rid of Batman and Robin for good, I will rule the waves. Me, the Joker, king of the surf and all the surfers. Then Gotham City. Later, the world. Surfs up Joker's Under. Uh, it came out in November 16, 1967. It's the 10th episode of season three. Uh, and it's again, like similar to the, uh, Batman versus Riddler in a boxing match. It's Batman versus Joker in a surfing contest. Um, and that's where you get, I have on my desk right now, the nobody can see this. Oh, actually nobody can see because I don't have my camera on either, but I have the, uh, the Joker with his surfboard Funko figure. Anyway, so in that episode, we also get the Joker mobile which is like, you know, the Joker's answer to the Batmobile. Um, we have the seldom seen Batcopter that was made for the feature film that we'll talk about in the next episode. Uh, we also have hot dogs used as walkie-talkies. Um, <laughs> we have uh, the Joker and Batman, again, competing against one another in a surfing contest. And both the Joker and Batman wear surfing trunks over their costumes um, right. Yeah. There'll only be one heat for the two contestants, and you'll be judged on the size of your wave, how long you ride it, and your style and sportsmanship. Sportsmanship? And our fellow surfers will be the judges. Go for your surfboard. <laughs> well, into the soup? Why not? It's a short break surf, not too long a paddle to the peak. I won! I won! The order of finishing isn't what counts, Joker. Why not? Why not? Losers don't come in first. I've tallied all the judges' points. You got one for being the more colorful surfer. Batman got all the rest, including 50 for avoiding a dangerous hazard. A shark. Oh, big deal. A simple deal. Thanks to the shark-repellent bat spray in my utility. You're wiped out, Joker. Yeah, you've hung your last ten toes, and Batman's the new king of the surf at Gotham Point. He's all yours, gentlemen. Oh, gentlemen, those two whole dads. Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara to you, Joker. Cowabunga, Bigora. And the, and the bat shark repellent from the feature film also makes a return. So uh, all of these elements for me make it a, a must-see episode. Uh, you remember that one, David? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the whole surfing bit and the trunks were just ridiculous. And, and seeing the Joker trying to, you think, how can the Joker be a great surfer? It just seemed very odd. Yeah. So the last one I have for our consideration is called Nora Clavicle and the Ladies Crime Club. Now, this is like must-see because it's so odd. It's not a stellar episode. Um, it's a hilarious story with women's lib as the evil in this one, as women's right crusader Nora Clavicle, played by Barbara Rush, becomes the new police chief. All men are fired from the police force and replaced by <gasps> women. 
Police women who wear miniskirts and apply makeup while crimes take place under their noses. And the the coup de grace of the episode is the Siamese human knot that Batgirl, Batman, and Robin are placed (laughs) in. And again... um, Oh my God. It's a difference. It's for the viewer, for the young male viewer, and from what I've been told, also young female viewer, there's some sexual tension in the scene to, to be uh, experienced. Um, and one of the most ludicrous conclusions to any yeah. episode, yeah. it's the terrific trio save the day by doing a yeah. Pied Piper routine yep. and leading <laughs> a swarm of mechanical mice out of Gotham <laughs> to the Gotham River. There you go. We made it. With very few moments to spare. But how'd you know they'd follow us, Batman? I was able to determine that the guidance systems in the mice was built around the principle of high-frequency radar. So by selecting the right combination of flute toots... I was able to cause those mice and their homing mechanisms to zero in on the source of the sounds, the flutes. The Pied Pipers of Gotham City. <laughs> you might say that. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, they, they jumped the rat. In that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And this whole concept that they get all these rats, which would make all the women scared and not be able to do their work. So therefore the, the criminals can get it, do their thing. It was just like, there's so many levels and so many things when you write up and, and, and read up about this episode, it is like, <laughs> how could they do that episode? Yeah, I know. I was like embarrassed watching it, like for so many reasons. It is trying to look at and satirize things and just try to play up on this, um, which is, I guess, my best defense for it. I mean, honestly, it's just a mess, but. um, Exactly. And uh, that's basically my overview of the series for those who uh, want to cherry pick some episodes. But, you know, like you can't go wrong. And with many episodes, like you should check out a, a, a Roddy McDowell bookworm. You should check out a uh, Vincent Price egghead. Um, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. And egghead, one thing, I mean, Vincent Price, so known and associated with horror films. Uh, one of my favorites was the Raven, where it was him and Boris Karloff and uh, oh Peter Laurie was in that yeah, Peter Laurie from yeah. Casablanca, yeah. And how good a film that was, and, and it would be great if they could summon because even the the, the end scene with the two um, wizards fighting against each other and the effects at the time were not that bad, but you would think if they could do it right. Now, I mean, I guess the closest might be the Sorcerer's Apprentice from about 10 years ago, but to have an actual proper fight between two wizards and how cool it was with the Boris Karloff and what they were doing, like how inventive it was and comedic at times, what they were trying to do to try to attack each other. Um, so with Vincent Price as Egghead and all the egg puns, you know, when oh. he says exactly and exceptional yes yeah yeah it was uh his version of catwoman's like uh perfect type of thing well that's the end of our batman 1966 part two episode remember to catch us on all your favorite podcast providers i am recommending spotify um you can try uh our website to numeric two of.ca and uh, Facebook where we post all kinds of stuff. And we would love it if you did as well and enter into some conversations as two old farts talk sci-fi on Facebook, but uh, please tell a friend like, and subscribe and stop, drop and roll. And uh, I wish I had a badism to add in here. Um, uh, look, always do up your seatbelt. How's that? Stop, look and listen, old chum. I am David Kling. And I, I'm Troy Harkin. See you all for our next exciting adventure of Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi. Same bat time. Same bat channel.
Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy surprises, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals that ever plotted to take over the world. Number one, the Riddler. Question, who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? Number two, the Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> Number three, the penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. Batman and Robin. <laughs> Number four, the Catwoman. Oh, you're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. <laughs> And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. <laughs>